Hi, I'm Jeremy Larson, the Reviews Director of Pitchfork, and this podcast is supported by Pitchfork Music Festival. Pitchfork Music Festival will take place July 19th through the 21st at Union Park in Chicago, Illinois. This year's lineup features Jamie XX, Alanis Morissette, Black Pumas, Carly Rae Jepsen, Brittany Howard, Jay Paul, Muna, Jesse Ware, 100 Gex, and many more. The festival also features diverse vendors as well as specialty record, poster, and craft fairs and works to support local businesses while promoting the Chicago arts and food communities as a whole. For more information on tickets and lineup, visit pitchforkmusicfestival.com. This is the Pitchfork Review. I'm Pooja Patel, the editor-in-chief. And I'm Jeremy Larson, Pitchfork's biggest optimist. That's not true, and everybody knows it. <laughs> so today we're talking about Monaskin. They are the Italian pop rock band that has become a sensation over the past year. They won Eurovision, an insanely popular music competition, and since then they've opened for the Rolling Stones and collaborated with both Iggy Pop and Tom Morello. The Italian fashion house Gucci gave them a bunch of shiny new clothes and the Grammys gave them a nomination for Best New Artist. Boneskin recently released their third album, Rush, and we felt the need to see what all the fuss was about. Jeremy. Yes. You reviewed this album for us. I did. We know how we both feel about it, which Mm -hmm. is a 2.0. I feel exactly a 2.0 about it. For those who might not be familiar with Boneskin. Mm-hmm. Can you give us a little bit of background, having spent so much time? Yeah, let me uh, let me set the table here. So yeah. um, Mona Skin is a Italian rock band. Like you said, there are four members of the band. Singer Damiano David, bassist Victoria De Angelis, guitarist Thomas Raggi, and drummer Ethan Torchio. And there's a great article in Variety by Jem Oswad um, that gets at some of their history. So I'm pulling a lot from that. Mona Skin uh, officially formed in 2015 when... Uh, Damiano, Thomas, and Victoria were all teenagers in Rome's middle-class Monteverde Vecchio Quarter. The band's name, who is not Maniskin, it's Monaskin, <laughs> is Danish for Moonlight, and this sort of comes from Victoria's mother, who's Danish, and the band asked her for some interesting words, and they liked that mm-hmm. one. And like Tracy Chapman and Ed Sheeran and Jewel before them, they started as buskers. So that's sort of kind of how they developed probably their sort of extroverted performance style. They went on Italian X Factor. They won Italian X Factor in 2017. And after that, they got a deal with Sony Italy. And then in 2018, that March, they won Italy's San Remo Music Festival. Right. They won that with a song called Ziti et e Buoni, basically a sarcastic... Oh, man, you, we can't laugh at the Italian stuff. I've been called... No, I just don't... Did you pronounce that correctly? Z- no, probably not. <laughs> I'm a quarter Italian, so... There we go. It is entirely recessive genes. They won the Italy's San Remo Music Festival, and they had a song called Ziti e Buoni, which is like a sarcastic version of the phrase, shut up and behave. Right, so, okay, so we're already getting a little kind of like uh-huh. S&M stuff like style sort of thing here some dangerous transgressive sexual undertones and then they put out a song called i want to be your slave uh-huh. uh, which became the first song by an italian band to reach the top 10 in the uk i want to be 
a slave, I wanna be a master. I wanna make your heartbeat run like roller coasters. I wanna be a good boy, I wanna be a gangster. Cause you can be the beauty and I could be the monster. I wanna it also featured a remix from Detroit punk legend Iggy Pop, possibly because he had a song with the Stooges called I Want to Be Your Dog. Mm-hmm. Iggy Pop was like, hey, that's similar to my song. Why don't, why don't, I, why don't I come on and do a remix of that for you? Uh-huh. Um, and then, you know, cut to Eurovision 2021 and this band from Italy who started on the streets, just busking, humble Italian band, won the entire Eurovision competition. Now, the Eurovision competition is like normally like a very campy, pop-driven, just over-the-top theatrical it's a spectacle. thing. Yeah, exactly. A complete a- spectacle. I'm not versed in Eurovision. I can't no. pretend to be versed in Eurovision. But we do hear about things that come out of Eurovision because there's a sense of national pride in it. Each country is putting their player on the stage, their fighter on the stage. And one of the things about Eurovision is that you can't vote for your own country. So as the voting process happened, let's say you're an Italian, you wouldn't be able to vote for Moniskin. In oh, the, wow. You have to vote for other countries. So that is their way of trying to be democratic about it. Eurovision is watched by 180 million people. To get a sense, like the Super Bowl is only watched by 113 million people. So this right. is like beyond the scope of your imagination. That's how big Eurovision is. After they won Eurovision, they went viral in America with a cover of the Four Seasons Beggin, which is a song that came out like 50 fucking years ago. And it's, you know, Frankie Valley, Four Seasons. Mm-hmm. They covered like another cover version of it. Yeah. And it landed on the Billboard charts over here. I'm sure you have heard this song a million times. When I hear the Moniskin version of Begging, I think that it should be part of a Big Mac commercial. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like the hamburger singing, like, put your love in arms around me. You know, uh-huh. <laughs> like that's the vibe that this song has when it's been repurposed so much. This See, that's funny because I, I feel like it's so like his voice is so grating and, <laughs> and gnarly that I can't ever understand like why this became popular because it is such like a to me like a dissonant and unpleasant sound just coming out of this i just think that people are craving soulful heartthrobby rock Mm -hmm. i also saw this band perform you saw monaskin perform i saw monaskin perform twice in three days (laughs) oh so you're a hardcore (laughs) you're a moni (laughs) You're because God, I was going to say you're you a skinhead. Call, don't don't call me any sort of skin or moan, please. Um, so they were kind of the rising darlings of the Grammys this year, mm-hmm. and they performed at two separate events that I was at. Okay, let me set the scene. the The one event is where the best new artist nominees all perform. A couple of songs mm-hmm. and this is a party it's kind of a welcome to the grammys you know the type of room where everyone is there at some point during the night 
I saw Simu Liu talking to Jamie XX. I saw Doja Cat, you know, just hanging out. Like, it's that kind of room. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they have all of these artists performing. And the second that Monaskin is announced, I watch people who I respect turn on heel and walk briskly slash run to the stage. Unbelievable. (laughs) To see this band. And I was in shock. But it is such a spectacle to see them live. Like, they are flashing lights. They are pleather and glitter and sequins, Mm -hmm. big makeup and big attitude. And I was watching these people who work in music fan the fuck out. It was an experience. I I kind of, I think I recorded part of it and sent it to you to say, look at what I'm watching. It's like that scene in Back to the Future where you're sort of like watching Marty McFly play Johnny Be Good and you're calling me and you're like, Jeremy, it's Pooja. (laughs) Pooja Patel. You know that new sound you're looking to hate? Listen to this. Right. We had that convo yeah. <laughs> while I was at the Grammys and Jeremy was like, well, you know, if someone's going to write about it. It might as well be me. <laughs> you know, and I got down off my cross and, you know, opened up my laptop. And <laughs> anyway, No, but that's I think like it's interesting because we did like for a couple weeks, we were not a couple weeks, but like, you know, this album came out and we we're like, what do we, what do we want to do with this? Like Max Martin produced half this album. We, right. we cover everything max martin does most right. of everything max martin does you know this well who else is on this these pop songwriters justin tranter rami yakub jason evigen sarah hudson they've written songs for lady gaga selena gomez maroon five like tons so like this uh-huh. is it heaved into our world right. and what were we supposed to do well, our hands were tied and jeremy you were presented with the task of really listening to this record and in your review <laughs> dubbed it absolutely terrible at every conceivable level. Let's mm. talk about the album. <sighs> Gosh. I loaded up this album and I pressed play and it is very difficult for me to make it more than 30 seconds into the song before I like throw my headphones off and be like, God, what the, what's going on here? <laughs> And then I just sort of like go back and I had to like do it piecemeal and listen to it in these sort of modular chunks at the first time I listened to it because I I, I found it so loud and so undynamic and so in my face repulsive. It it Oh it, my god. It was it really did like it really did like do a number like the first inside, song inside is gossip, me. right? No, the first song is Own My Mind, uh-huh. which is a repetitive sort of pentatonic blues riff mm. just just burrowed into your skull with like a four inch drill bit. It is not very good. There's a lot of things to nitpick about this album and this band. But the main, my main, main, main issue is that it is a rock album that is engineered and produced to sound like a pop album. Mm-hmm. And that is fundamentally erroneous. That is fundamentally like the wrong approach to this band. 
if you can listen to a song, and I think like the main song that we can sort of use as an example of the problem with this band is their single called I can't believe an Italian band named this, and I'm going to do this with a straight face, but they have a single called Mamma Mia. You can listen to that song, and the vocals, bass, and guitar are just performed in unison. There's no counter melody. There's no like, oh, the vocals should do one thing and then the bass should do something else and then the the guitar should do a little bit something different to sort mm-hmm. of build space in the song. It's like, no, it's just like they're all playing in unison. This is rudimentary terrible songwriting as if like you just picked up a guitar for the first time and someone has like a knife to your throat and they're like, write a rock song quickly. Like your family is tied up in the other room. And I don't find that very engaging or interesting. I'm David Remnick, host of the New Yorker Radio Hour. There's nothing like finding a story you can really sink into that lets you tune out the noise and focus on what matters. In print or here on the podcast, The New Yorker brings you thoughtfulness and depth and even humor that you can't find anywhere else. So please join me every week for The New Yorker Radio Hour, wherever you listen to podcasts. One of the things about this album is that it is really, really hard for me to fully distinguish the songs mm. because mm-hmm. they're all they all feel so campy to me or they all feel a little bit like parody to me that it's like choosing from kind of like a parody soundtrack. Right. It's 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 rock as a second language is what it is. Mm-hmm. It is like people who do not know the history of rock and roll and are just sort of pawing at it like a puppy trying to just sort of understand what's going on with this history. I think maybe, and I'm, and I'm saying this as like an American critic, as somebody who has a deep abiding love of rock and roll. Mm -hmm. But I, and I feel that like perhaps the dissonance here and perhaps like what some people might think as unfair for an American critic to weigh into this, that like, I have a love of like American rock and roll. I don't have a deep abiding love of Italian rock and roll, whatever that may be. So there might be just like a figuratively and literally a language barrier here for me to sort of cotton onto what this band is actually going for. Well, I mean, if you're talking about American rock music, can we talk about the Tom Morello of it all. So Tom would, yes. Tom Morello appears as a featured artist. For sure on Gossip, the second song on the album. I'm going to get dragged so hard. Gossip is the only song I can remember because I find the dumb hook that has no actual narrative meeting <laughs> to oh, be does. so catchy. Don't 
Can I can I read the hook quickly? Mm, Sorry. Yeah, I was going to read the whole song. We were going to go through piece by piece. <laughs> it's sip the gossip, drink till you choke. This I'm trying to do it in the same. Yeah, right. yeah. I'll give you the sip I'll give you the, tempo. the gossip, burn down your throat. You're not iconic. You're just like them all. Don't act like you don't know. Well, right. You're, you're skin peeled, man. <laughs> It's close. I I I describe this elsewhere to Jeremy as a Black Mirror song that brainwashes people into drinking Coca Cola. Um, I I said gossip is like if the shadow self of the AI robot who writes the Selling Sunset music like suddenly <laughs> started speaking its mind because it's all about like how like everyone in Hollywood is fake and like it's it opens like Welcome to the City of Lies where right. everything's got a price. Right. I mean, but then you have the Tom Morello riff in there. Yeah. He, and he, it's all very confusing. This song was chiseled like the statue of David out of a five hour jam session. Whoa, I didn't know that. Yeah. They're like cut from marble. Mm-hmm. We have made this song. Mm-hmm. And Tom Morello, just sort of half asleep, just sort of like gone off the second all, is just like phoning in his fucking like octave pedal guitar solo. I, I can't. It's 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 so frustrating to me how lazy <laughs> this the songwriting is on this album. I, I think that song is catchy. <laughs> Do you know the song Anima by Tool? You know, like, you okay, know, where, all where right. Like, here, no, 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 no. here we go. I mean, like, listen, Tool on Anima kind of nailed the whole, like, LA should be washed away mm-hmm, by a flood, mm-hmm. you know? I don't need a bunch of Italians telling mm-hmm. me how fake and phony Hollywood is 20 years after Maynard James Keenan did it first. Well, I mean, the other kind of the joke here is also that. You know, you watch a video of Mona Skin a, a mere four years ago, and they're in denim jackets and sneakers mm-hmm. and tie dye and hoodies and like the kind of stereotype of a bohemian art girl. And then, quite literally, the designer, like the fashion house Gucci, organizes a fake wedding for them to God. all get married dressed in Gucci. Mm-hmm. As like Baz Luhrmann and like MGK and other Gucci ambassadors are in attendance. God, Baz Luhrmann. If we're, if we're, this is throwing, Baz Luhrmann what I'm saying is we're throwing stones from glass houses. Yeah, absolutely. Is what yeah. we're saying. Yeah. But the other thing about this band is, and this is why I'm empathetic to them, mm-hmm. is that some of the lyrics are quite tough for us to get behind. Mm-hmm. And I think... Jeremy, to your point, it's because they're making these very broad brush kind of statements about cool kids and we're confused about where their relationship with cool kids comes from. Well, I want to say, like, sometimes their lyrics about, like, sex are not broad at all. They're very specific. Mm -hmm. And I find those jarring and unsettling. For instance, when Damiano David sings, Oh, Mamma Mia!, Spit your love on me. I'm on my knees and I can't wait to drink your rain. Uh, I I get it. It's not like that's not lost in translation. Like I understand the message um, mm-hmm. there, but it, but it, it's not it's not for me. Um, I don't I don't find that 
titillating, but perhaps others do. But yeah, like we were talking about, like their their position as we're not the cool kids, you know, like they mm-hmm. have God, I was so you're just like, oh, what are some of the worst lyrics on here? And I wrote down <laughs> this one. It's from the song Cool Kids with a K. And it goes, well, comma, cool kids, they do not like rock. They only listen to trap and pop. And then someone ad-libs Justin Bieber. And everybody knows that rock and roll is shit, but I don't give a fuck about being a cool kid. And it's, I am so allergic to that kind of fake oppositional stance Mm -hmm. against like what cool is or what cool isn't. And again, maybe that's a European thing. Maybe that's an Italian thing. I don't know. But like, you're dressed. You, you, I don't understand the the grievance politics of this, right? right. Like, I don't understand why you're not all part of this bigger pop music that you're actually a part of. Like, I don't, I don't totally get that because I don't think you're rock and roll. And rock and roll's sort of antagonistic stance against pop music doesn't really make much sense in. 2023 and that's sort of like what i was trying to get at at the review a little bit is that these things are so siloed off like rock music exists just fine by itself it doesn't need to have an antagonistic stance against pop music anymore like it's doing just fine and to pretend that it needs that i think is pretty like useless and fake thing it doesn't seem real to me yeah i i mean I think that it feels a little inauthentic and yeah. that's that's really what we're getting at right is that if we felt like these artists were truly up against some sort of behemoth and were not actually industry plants um mm-hmm. it might ring a little differently and that's like sort of the interesting part of it is that like they're not they clearly started from busking right like they right. have that kind of chip on their shoulder that they started from sort of nothing and like look at here we are mm-hmm. there's a lot of interviews that they're just sort of like how can you hate us like we opened for the rolling stones and and iggy pop covered our music and i'm just like well the reason sort of i think and we can get into this a little bit too it's so like because one of the bigger questions is why do people like this like what's going on here right and i think one of the things is that there is this desire for always wanting to go back to something like it's jack from lost it's doc from back to the future like we got to go back somewhere there's Mm -hmm. something we missed in history there is something pure more excellent in our past because right now it's difficult to understand and that's why i think that like artists like mick jagger or iggy pop will look at mona skin and be like Ah, into this band, I yeah. see like the fountain of youth. Yeah. I see not only myself, but I see the torch that I lit right. and I could pass it to this band right. who doesn't use any electronics, who doesn't use 808s, who doesn't have a drum machine. It's just three guys and a woman making music. And that to me feels like what the unconscious desire for this music always is. And I, and I think you can find it any day right now. You can go to YouTube and pull up any classic rock band from the 70s and look at the first motherfucking comment and i guarantee you it will be somebody (laughs) saying ah i love this back when music was music (laughs) and men were men back when we built stuff in this country that's what people are looking for i think you know this back to the earth thing yeah i i disagree that other genres of music aren't being kind of 
I don't know, retrospective. I feel like there is a lot of that in pop in particular. But I also think we're lightly misclassifying this band as a rock band. Mm, I think this is a pop act. Okay. That's how I classify this band, a pop rock act. Mm -hmm. But I was, you know, I, I was kind of thinking at the Grammys about why are they everywhere? Why do people seem to be so drawn to them? And I've been on this rant for some time about how we are just lacking in new pop stars. Mm-hmm. We are so desperate. This is why Jack Harlow exists. I think the industry is so desperate to bring a next generation of pop stars into the fold. And not only is this a provenly liked act because of their success on X Factor and Eurovision, mm-hmm. Um, And what that might mean for streams and sales and tours and all of the other things in the future. But beyond that, we haven't had a true playing guitars, like screaming into the flashing lights band make the arena tour in quite some time. Like, I don't think this generation wants something that is signifies sort of like the very straight and narrow of rock and roll yeah, is like guitar solos and like heady stuff like that you know mm-hmm. and i think like that's the other part of like mona skin where they're sort of like they're right. very pansexual that's sort of like their whole vibe that they really want to give off and mm-hmm. i think the sexiness of it all <laughs> is is interesting and like i said in my review like i do not want to come off as puritanical i'm not saying that like a band can't and shouldn't be sexy but like this kind of sex Sorry to quote myself, but it does kind of feel airdrop to you on the subway. It feels very sudden and maybe non-consensual to me. And I think a lot of that has to do with just sort of like the volume and the way it is delivered to you Mm -hmm. on this album. If you are in the mood for this kind of like overwrought glam pop rock with a sneering edge, you know, what are you recommending? I'm going to separate this into two categories, the Mm -hmm. sound and the lyrics, right? Uh (laughs) If you want the sound of this band, the first minute of Arctic Monkeys debut album has more ideas and more dynamics and more fun than this entire album put together. The Arctic Monkeys debut album, Whatever People Say I Am, That's What I'm Not, uh, which came out in 2006. That's what this band should aspire to be. And I hope that they take a listen to that album and listen to how those four musicians play rock and roll music, um, because I think it's perfect. Now, if you were looking for sex idiot rock of just like idiots being sexual, I would go with the 1975. Um, Matt Healy recently just sort of pretended to masturbate on stage for just, I guess, like a not short period of time. Kisses Strangers, Eats Raw Meat. He talks about boner, masturbation, like boner. Like if you want to hear the word boner, Go to a 1975 album uh, and and you'll get it. Friends aren't thick, they can't come in. Feeling apathetic after scrolling through hell. I think I've got a boner, but I can't really tell. And the flames are on. 
my my version of this is Eve's tumor, heaven to a tortured mind, I think is like the actual contemporary thing to listen to. For sure. A hundred percent. They are sexy as hell. Oh, God, now I have that song stuck in my head. The sip, the gossip, drink till you choke. Oh, you still have Mona skin in your the head. the gossip, burnt down your throat. Um, all right, well, this has been fun. On to better music next time. I look forward to it. But I had a great time talking about bad music with you. Same here. The Pitchfork Review is a production of Condé Nast. You can read Jeremy's glowing review of Moniskin's album, Rush, at pitchfork.com. Catherine Fenelosa at Rococo Punch is our senior producer. James Trout at Rococo Punch is our technical producer. Ryan Domble is our showrunner. Jessica Gramulia is our music supervisor. I'm the editor of Pitchfork, Pooja Patel. Thanks for listening.